Welcome to Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Your host, Jeanette Linfoot, talks to incredible people about their experiences and unleashing their full potential. From the boardroom tables of big international business to the dining room tables of entrepreneurial startups, embracing opportunities, overcoming challenges, taking risks, while staying true to yourself is where the magic happens. Hi, it's Jeanette here. If you're enjoying Brave, Bold, Brilliant, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends and leave a five-star review. Let's do it. Here's the show. Welcome to the Brave, Bold, Brilliant podcast. I'm here today with the wonderful James Muse. So we are going to be talking all about property, business um, and everything else, aren't we, James? Yes, we are. And thank you for having me. <laughs> well, it's great. And it's a really early start as well for us uh, both. So we, are, we might talk a little bit about the sacrifices you have to make to be successful in business. Okay. <laughs> but it's an early start. And you're here with your newborn baby as well, aren't you? Amelia. I am. I am. It's uh, seven o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> but all good. So, James, a lot of people will know you in the world of property investing um, and what you've, what you've done. But you've done a lot more than that. So do you want to just give us the plotted history of background, where life started and all of that stuff, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, sure. So uh, I'll try and keep it condensed. <laughs> um, yeah, so I um, grew up in Sheffield um, on a, just a normal street. To be fair, we didn't have a bad life. My um, dad was, um, you know, self-employed. He had his own businesses, he car businesses, and then he had some property, and he were always into various different business is not set on this specific like strategy or career mm. um so obviously we grew up with that to be honest we didn't you know it was out of the house a lot it was mom and mom and my granddad that brought us up but obviously you see what's going off with your dad always at work and seeing him coming home in mm. nice cars and we we did have not bad holidays either um so to be fair we're probably quite fortunate on that side on the nice thing side, but actually on the, you know, the the relationship side, we're probably a bit missing from a dad point of view. Mm. So then uh, I went on and decided, obviously we did the school and um, decided that we'll um, go to college because I'll get into IT because I thought IT is where it's all going to be back then, like computers, it's only going to, um, get more and more. So started an IT, did that for about three, four months, and then, then I just thought sitting behind the screen every day just weren't for me. Yeah. So I actually uh, stopped going. I didn't actually tell my parents for about two or three months. Um, I just kept leaving the house and then disappearing to friends' houses and all sorts. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, eventually the uh, tutor um, told my parents, and they said, well, we need to find something else then. So I ended up doing an apprenticeship as an electrician. That's where it all started. So uh, my mom and dad had a house built and the local electrician, they managed to get me an apprenticeship with uh, him. My mom actually did set it all up and everything because this guy was like a bit useless in that department. So that set me on the road um, in, in the trade learning a trade if you like so I did that for a few years um, got qualified 
But while I was doing that, I was always doing extra jobs. Like after work, I was doing them for people that I knew and then that expanded and then mm. I was doing weekends and then and then it got to a position where I got that much work. It was like, oh, I really need to go on my own. So, um, And that's what I ended up doing. I ended up going on my own for a bit. Um, worked in various different situations, uh, big houses down London, everywhere, all across the country, to be honest, doing different projects. So it gave me a very good variety of seeing how different, how projects get done, managed, put together, uh, with all different budgets uh, in mind. And then uh, from then, I got into the electrical contracting, built that up quite well, but it just didn't didn't fire me up. I went, I needed something more, something a bit more interesting. So um, I saw that renewables were on the way up, solar panels, this, that, and this, that, and other. So I started doing a lot more research on it, and then... Um, and then I got trained in it and just thought, right, I'm going to get into renewables. Uh, and my dad was like a bit against him, like, why, why are you giving up the electric? You've built it up. It's a decent little business. Um, why do you want to go and start an all-new thing? And I'm like, well, it's it's the next big thing, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, the technology is not there. Don't get into it, blah, blah, blah. And I can remember him saying that. And I thought, no, you're wrong. This is going to work. This is going to work. And having that belief that it we're going to work, even though everyone else has told it by putting dampers on the idea. So anyway, I, I filed ahead anyway and um, did it and built up a renewable energy biz- business. Um, don't get me wrong, at the start it was very tough. Young kid, twenty young twenties, trying to trying to sell people twenty thousand pound solar systems. It was just hard. Like no one trusted you. What's this government? scheme where they're giving people money to have solar panels. It was a really hard sell and to be fair I slugged at it for a good year without even selling one system. And uh, and and to be fair I was I were literally gonna move to Australia. I was like thought if this don't work out I'm gonna Australia I'll work in Australia and like try it over there because I'd been previously travelling there and liked the country and, and the old lifestyle. Anyway it I give myself a deadline or something like April 2011 or 2010. Can't remember exactly, but... And, like, literally, I've been doing quotes for 12 months. And not one. Not not <laughs> one. Come off. And then I just got a random call from a guy in Halifax. I always remember it. And uh, he rang me and said, uh, you did me a quote about 10 months ago. Is it still valid? I'm like, well, I'll have to just check because materials change and this, that, and other. Uh, I'll come back to you. So I went away and just double-checked. And to be fair, stuff had come down. I went, yeah, to be fair, if you're happy at that price, we can honour that price. So that was the first job. And it was like the floodgates opened. We yeah. just got very busy. We were um, quite a lot of money. We, we were one of the first solar panels installed in Sheffield that were MCS registered, which is the, like, government registration at the time and it just expanded from there uh, and then we built I built that business up um, over the next few years um, and then I ended up taking a business partner on because we expanded into biomass and heat pumps 
And I lacked the plumbing knowledge at that point. And so I thought, you know, I need to partner with someone who's got that knowledge and then together we become a company that can do all renewables, mechanical, electrical side. And that's what we did. And and we did some really big projects on a lot in the farming industry. For me, going from doing a couple of grand jobs to then doing biomass jobs at half a million pound fit out, it was a big step. And it was scary at the time. We were like having to buy the boilers and they were 80 grand up front. Yeah. They wouldn't leave the factory in Germany without paying it. So it was a big big risk. Yeah. Really. What if we don't get paid and you have all these thoughts? But you just you just gotta have a bit of a leap of faith at some point and and just believe that it's gonna work and that's what we did. And to be fair, touch wood, it worked out. Uh, we had a couple of people what said that they couldn't pay us but to be fair we worked with them and eventually they did pay so yeah so that that set us on the road we did i think in a second year we got the company from a standing start up to like 1.2 million turnover we like a 30 percent margin on that nice so you know we, we did pretty well to be fair for a couple of couple of lads having to go basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah we had like up to 15 blokes working for us you know we had up three four teams of fitters not just doing solar panels we did biomass we did heat pumps so quite a varied um, you know technologies we, we, we undertook uh, but then it got to a point where we were just we were just working flat out. We were, I, I, I just sent to be at work all the time, mm-hmm. 60, 70 hours a week. Uh, and then I met Laura. Laura Muse, the infamous <laughs> Laura Muse. <laughs> and um, it quickly, we decided quite quickly in the relationship that, you know, we did want kids and, and everything sent to slot in place. But I can remember back to my dad not really having time for us. And I thought, I don't want that for our kids, like not being there and always yeah. at work. And I thought, doing what I'm doing, I didn't know how to get out of the the being in it, the mm. cold face, running it. If I step away from business, what happens to this business? It'll probably just stop. Yeah. And I didn't really, I, I didn't really know how to go to coaches, business coaches. I didn't read any business books really back then. And, I didn't really know where to go with it. So it was like, I thought in my head, right, I need a business that can earn money without me uh, being at the centre of it. And I was like racking my brain. And fortunately, my parents had done quite a bit of property and they'd got some rentals and obviously they always had them ticking along in background around their core business, which mm-hmm. at that particular time was selling cars. And then they built up the property on the side. But then as my dad got older, the cars sort of resided and the property took over. And I thought, oh, yeah, but he, don't, he chooses what he wants to do. He don't really work as per se, even though he does work, but he don't have to. I thought, that's what I need to do. I need to <clears> start <throat> looking at property. And, and then this coupled with meeting Laura and thinking about having family and the time what we were spending at work, and Laura were on the road as an account manager for when we haven't got time for a family or not to properly enjoy it. Mm, mm. So 
I, I thought about selling the business. So we had a company come in and say, well, if you get it to this stage, get some contracts in for all your servicing contracts, it would be worth X. But because the business wasn't set up with systems, processes, for you to be able to just hand that over in a box to somebody and it's yeah. a fully functioning business because the business was us. We were like, well, they were wanting us to work within the business for three years and manage it out. And, mm. and I just thought, I'd made my mind up that I wanted to do property and I wanted out. So luckily for us, we had quite a lot of cash in the bank. And my business partner at the time, he still wanted to carry on. Because they were like, well, what am I going to do? So I went, well, you buy me out then. Uh, unfortunately, don't get me wrong, I let him have it cheap, but it gave me a good start Yeah. to get to get into property. To be fair, we were fortunate that we had a cash chunk to get started with. And I think sometimes that, on you know, in property and courses and stuff, like you don't need no money. Yeah, I dare say there is that way, but it's hell of a lot harder yeah. and it's going to take you a hell of a lot longer. Um, so I think that's how we've managed in a short period of time to to get some traction because we did initially have some funds of his own to run at. Mm. So mm. we were able to like get going quite quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Brilliant. God, so there's a lot in it. No, no, it's great. No, because I think the thing is, you see, when when people see you now in in what you're doing, they know you for property, right? But what they don't know is all the other stuff that you that you did way before property that's yeah. kind of led you to to sort of where you are now, really. And, and I absolutely love that. But there's a few things I just wanted to pick up on. It, you were talking earlier about your dad, and obviously you've got a good relationship with your dad and your parents, and, and family is important to you. Um, but you know, when your dad was sort of saying, "Oh no, this renewable thing—it's never going to—it's never going to take off." I mean, obviously now it's like even more of a more of a sort of growth um, industry, isn't it? But you you knew deep down inside you, so you chose to sort of ignore him. And now he was obviously saying it out of concern for you, I'm sure, and wanting to keep you safe and all the rest of it. But how did you how did you know that you just needed to follow your instinct at that point? I think I think how my dad would analyze his stuff. Uh, and to be fair, I do to an element. He he looks at the you know the technology and what it will you know, what it could actually produce, as in you get a solar panel and it produces this much electric and mm. it might be 19% efficient. So we were looking at that and thinking, well, you get you have to fill an entire roof to get this little bit of electric. Mm. And we were looking at it purely from a technology angle where I, where I wasn't. I was looking at it, it's like, well, yeah, I get your point, but if the government is putting all these grants towards it, they wanted to push the green agenda, get people, you know, mm. off relying on fossil fuel. Then as a business, that's different to the technology. Obviously I know it, it was subsidised and grants, but it's it's like a, a a cash injection to the to get the that particular industry going and yeah. people investing in it and investing in technology so then the technology gets better a lot quicker mm. because people are uptaking it and so it's you mm. know, circular motion so I think it was more looking at it from that point of view from the numbers more than actually looking at the technology Yeah, uh, and that's where I think he just he couldn't grab that 
gassed that bit. Mm. Like, my dad wants to know everything, how things work. Like, this microphone, you're like, want to know how it works and what yeah. buttons do. And yeah. <laughs> just press, like, the button and it records your voice. So you want to know how it's recorded. Yeah. But, so that, that, I think it was that instinct to, like, yeah, I appreciate that, but just, it's going to work. It, it, mm. It's got to work. Well, and it takes it, it takes courage, doesn't it? And, and I think what you're talking about is perspective as well. You know, your dad's view is is and not necessarily wrong, but his view is in this place, whereas you were sort of thinking sort of broader for, yeah. from that probably, and sort of saying, "Well, hang on a minute." And actually, I think there's a big piece here that give it a go because if otherwise, you just never know, do you? Yeah. And the reality was that you created a really successful business. I mean, some of those contracts were massive, you know, oh, that you huge, were doing. Huge, I mean, huge, huge. I mean, like. For- like I said, from a standing start for two young lads, where we're really going into a new technology field. I know the backgrounds were electrical mm. and, and plumbing and eating, but you know it were an all new, um, you know, technology yeah. thing to learn. Yeah, you know, and we're going, selling these to people, being the experts, but no one really experts. Mm. So it took a lot of learning, trial and error. You know, yeah, you know, and the first. Handful of jobs. We were, we were not very efficient. We did stuff wrong. We had to go go back. It took a lot longer. Mm. But then once we'd owned in on that over a few projects, we got we got a system, and we were knocking these systems out. You know, we were getting them installed within a week. A massive big system. Like people couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we did really well off it. Yeah, and, and and what I loved about what you when you were talking earlier was that you'd been you'd been out there, I suppose, you know, pitching for the business, doing all these quotes for for months and months. I think you said ten months um, until actually one of them landed. So I guess that the the point for people listening is all those seeds that you plant actually you know it takes time it takes time for a business to be successful or for anything to to kind of work doesn't it and but don't give up keep going and all of a sudden then you got that one and then that was like floodgates open wasn't it really so big lesson there i think for people that are maybe feeling frustrated or they're thinking oh i'm not getting anywhere and actually keep going as long as you believe in what you're doing and you know you've got a good idea um then actually you will probably get there in the end yeah, and, and, and there is obviously a lot of sayings. You you know you you could be this close from success. Yeah, yeah. And people stop. Yeah, you could be like literally a few days mm. away from mm. that first step. Um, and I, and I do honestly believe that. I think one one thing that I do uh, well is I'll just keep chugging away, like, <laughs> even though. I, Obviously, you'll have your dark, your days where you just think, "Is this worth it?" You know, I'm yeah. not getting anywhere. We need to earn <laughs> some money. Blah blah blah. But I just, I'll go away from it, and then I'll just come back and just keep going. Yeah. Like there's plenty of times in property where you feel like pulling your pulling your hair out, or builders, solicitors, funders, whatever. Yeah. You know, you're up against it week every week. Yeah. Well, like yourself, what's just happened? Yeah. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, also, I think you, you met Laura and then you decided quite quickly that you wanted to have a family and you made some quite big choices at that point, yeah. you know, that crossroads of, no, I need to exit this business because if I want to create this life that for ourselves that I want, then it needs to look different from what where we are now. And some sort of, you know, the podcast, Brave, Bold, Brilliant, that was a pretty brave choice as well to exit something when, you know, arguably some people would be saying, well, what, what are you giving up now for? What are you selling it now for? You know, because you put all that hard work and effort in but you wanted something different didn't you yeah I mean that that was tough I that bet. was a tough decision and I'll be honest I toyed with that decision for a good year mm. uh, I bet and to give up something what you've took from scratch and it were a good business giving us a really good wage you know me and Laura were doing pretty well uh, and then to decide to go to property um if I told you what we had to sacrifice, you probably wouldn't have to, you probably wouldn't believe it because in reality you'd probably say it were a bit stupid, but <laughs> I think if you don't sometimes if you don't put yourself in that position then you'll never do it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why especially people in like corporate positions where they've got a really well paid job to then leap into an you know, a totally different area i.e. property mm. where you're starting off low yeah it's a massive massive change and, and you've got to be really committed to it so I'll just put it in context of our our commitment or stupidity whatever you want to call it risk taking um, like our combined income with, with my business and, and Laura's we are probably 140, 150 grand a year. Yeah. I mean, a real, living up north, we, we had a nice life. Always mm. when we want, meals mm. when we want. We, I, I had, a, had a little speedboat at North Wales with a, with a nice static caravan, nice car. Didn't, you know, we were having a nice life, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. But the time thing was a problem. You know, we were yeah. committing, there was a lot of time involved in getting that mm. income. Mm. And it wasn't giving the life, you know. I didn't really, you know, I couldn't really participate in many hobbies. You know, yeah. you know a bit of time we had, we'd spend together. And um, so that's when the choice came. If we want to go down the property route, we're going to have to take a major pay cut. Yeah. Like a major pay cut. Mm. So obviously, is well, Laura fell pregnant with Isabel and her job were quite on the road pressure mm, mm. so she ended up giving up that job to be fair and then I sold my off the business to my business partner and, and then we'd already got I'd already got about four buy to lets what give us an income of about £1,800 a month yeah combined yeah Laura. yeah I think it after tax what we're in bank I think we might have ended up with about 30 odd grand yeah. a year. Yeah. So you've just come down from about 140, <laughs> to 30 grand. Yeah. Yeah. I will tell you now, that was a struggle. Yeah. Luckily, we've not gone into massive house and this, that, and over a lot of the assets, i.e., you know, caravans, holiday homes, boats, we sold all them. The, mm. the big car that went, we got a more economical car, and it went back to the drawing board. And, and, don't get me wrong. We, God, we had some dark days. We were like, "What have we done?" Yeah. You know, when you're trundling away buying to like some buy to lets, what are giving you two, three, four hundred pound a month? You're like thinking, 
this is just going to take forever. Mm. Um, but again, we just keep going. We kept chugging along, yeah. kept chugging along through the green times. And to be fair, it started, you know, a good two year of hard emotional graft. Mm. Uh, we were getting there. Yeah, and, and this is the thing, you know, because what you've talked about is sacrifice there. All of that is sacrifice, what you, mm. what you gave up, you know, the, the lifestyle you had, the security of the income that you had, you know, all of that. But as you say, you know, if you want something different and what you perceive to be something better, you have to sacrifice stuff. And, and I think very often we don't talk about this, you know, sometimes there's a veneer of, well, you know, you just kind of you follow this strategy and you follow this model and it all seems very simple. And it's not that it's complicated necessarily, but it doesn't come easy, does it? Any of this, it doesn't come easy. And, and I think it's important for people. I mean, listen, when you get through and you push through that, of course, life can be transformed, can't it? But it's naive to think that if you're, you know, if you're going to walk away from something that you've got there, yeah, you're going to have to put the hard work in, put the hard yards in, and it is sacrifice, isn't it? It is. But for something better. Yeah, for something better. But then, you know? with what comes with that, will be then another wave of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think I made a mistake in thinking like, oh, when we get to this, we'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, as, as first target was five grand a month net and then we'll be fine once we get to that. Then it would move to 10. Yeah. And then we've moved it up again. And it's like, but then it, at each barrier, there's an all new set of things as you, as yeah. you grow on. I think, I think the key is learning how to deal with that. Yeah. Like yeah. the constant evolving and changing and learning. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a couple of things in there because if anyone listens to Tony Robbins, who's like arguably the master of personal development, yeah. whether you like him or don't like him, you know, but he, for me, he talks a lot of sense. And, and what he talks a lot about is what's your standard? And the standard that you set yourself, you know, really dictates the actions, how you feel about things and all the rest of it. And the, what you've just said there is absolutely spot on because you get to a certain point and then you, you raise the bar. Your standards have gone up again. Yeah. Um, and, and some of the challenges around that, I think, uh, I mean, you've, you, we're going to talk a little bit around what you've got in the, what you're doing in property and, and some of the lessons and, and tips for people. <laughs> But I think when you're when you're growing as a person, as a business person, or you know, just in whichever whichever part of your life, people aren't necessarily going to grow with you at the same rate or in the same way, and that's okay because we're all on our own journey, aren't we? Right, yeah. we've all got our own vibe. But can we talk a little bit about that? Because because yeah. as you've kind of notched up and then notched up again and notched up again, where you started is now very different from where you are, isn't it? And yeah. you know, I guess let's talk about the people around you that have helped, hindered, not necessarily name, naming yeah. names, but the theory of it. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a funny one that one, and and I think. Um, for me, that were quite that were quite tough as well because, to be honest, at school, um, yeah, I had friends, but I always seemed to be like one on outside. Yeah, like, you know, I, I had friends and stuff, but like whenever they got to groups or something, I'd be last to find out, or I'd find out from someone else and and stuff like that. And it, I always seemed to be. But then I was always trying different things, like in school, daft things, like I, I was selling copied CDs for a bit of extra income. Yeah. <laughs> then I'd buy myself a new mountain bike. But then because my parents had sort of 
not done bad for themselves. Oh, his daddy bought you that. Oh, now we bloody am bought you that. I bought it myself. Yeah. But one thing my dad did for all these pros and cons, mm. he would never give you the income. Yeah. Like, if you went and go, Dad, can you, lend us, can you give us a tenner? He'd go, no, but you can work for it. Yeah. So either I'd have to go down to his carpet and wash cars on Sunday, like 50 cars for like a five or a joke. <laughs> I suppose it installed that work ethic. And mm. like, I said I wanted to do copy CDs, so he didn't. So he bought me the computer to enable me to do the copy CDs for the kids at school. Yeah. So I would yeah. have music and PlayStation games and all this, this and other, and just be selling them for a few quid. And to be fair, I did pretty well. <laughs> um, and so then... I never quite fit in, is the word. Yeah, yeah. I always wanted to try different things and try different, you know, where they just wanted to stick to the same. Mm. And I think that become apparent. But then I were like, I suppose at school you think, what's wrong with me? Why, why you know, why don't I fit in with them? Or, or, you know, why don't I enjoy doing what they like doing? And I suppose you get that question, and then then as you grow up, you you meet other people, and then you go through bands of friends. I think mm. I seem to like do a a friendship. Well, I have been until late. Seem to do a friend change like every probably five, six, seven years. Mm. So this is a school thing that quickly fizzled out. Then I got a new working band of guys, yeah. but then they were just in the jobs and weren't really fulfilling yeah. that gap. So then you got a next band. But, and then they took you to a level because you saw them, they were like business owners. They had a bit more bits of, you know, mm. more nice things, nicer cars, bigger houses, whatever. So then you gravitated towards them. Yeah. But then I thought, oh, I want more than that. You know, not just about things, but more in life than just going to work and yeah. being self-employed. So then you got, you seem to levitate to another. Mm group of people that yeah. bring you up to that level mm. and understand it. Yeah. Because yeah. I think there's a, a big thing between like being like entrepreneurial in business, actually getting that understanding of what it's about, mm. you know, because I don't know about you, but you have an habit of probably talking about like what you, what you enjoy doing, your passion, which, mm. you know, might be property or, yeah. and you talk about it a lot. But then people sometimes look at that and like think, well, all you do is talk about work. Yeah, yeah. But you're obsessed with work. You're obsessed with money. Yeah. I'm like, well, not really. I just right enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're lucky that you found something that actually you can earn a really good, you know, create significant wealth for yourself and you enjoy doing it. Yeah. Whereas actually, God, how many people, you know, dread going to work on a Monday morning, exactly. you know? And I, and I think it's understanding that with people. Yeah. So then you've got to like... You'll have your people, what you, you know, you can have certain conversations here, but then you'll have your other, mm. but, you know, your other conversations, what elevate, yeah, elevate you in that. Yeah, definitely. And and the, the thing I love about you, James, is because you've got all this great experience, but you're incredibly humble, right? <laughs> and, and, and we've had a conversation about accents. Oh, my God. Me with my Mancunian accent, you, you with your Yorkshire accent. Um, and, you know, that we are... 
oh, I think we're pretty authentically who we are. Do you know what I mean? But sometimes, I mean, I remember when I first went down to London and, and thinking, oh, God, you know, I have to put on my posh telephone voice, you know, and yeah. all this sort of. And I mean, it's ridiculous, actually, now when I look back, I think, God, what were you thinking? But as a young as a young person going into business and I went down the corporate route, as you know, but I remember that feeling of, oh, my God, I'm a northerner. They're all going to think I'm, I speak a bit, you know, my accent and they're going to think I'm a bit thick, mm-hmm. which obviously I'm not a bit thick at all. And, and not not for a second, but that whole that whole kind of mindset play can sometimes come out, can't it? In, in especially as you're up in your game and you you you're working in different circles now of people that have got money and you know it's a different different vibe. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Does that ever bother you? Is it ever kind of preyed on your mind, or do you just think, no, I'm me and I'm good. I'm good being me. Yeah, I think obviously before when when I was. You know, doing what I'm doing with the with the renewable energy and electrical mechanical, I never really come across that because we sort of kept regional. Yeah, we did some jobs, you know, down south or whatever. But you'd be like, in it'd be your job in your centre. Yeah, you're literally dealing with the owner or whatever. So it was only up until really getting into property, and then you go into training courses, you go networking here and there, and. You know, I, I can have a laugh and a joke with anyone. You know, and I love having a having a banter and what have you. It's just who I am. Uh, but yeah, I suppose when we went down and sometimes with people were like they were only joking, but then it was like, do you really mean that? They're like, can we have tra- can you translate for us and stuff like that? And and some and and I just brushed it off. But then sometimes you think, do I? You know. When you listen to yourself back, you go, God, do I really sound like that? Do I, am I that? Do I sound that thick? And then I think people do get a bit of a, I feel, felt like sometimes you got that impression, like mm, mm. that was a thing. But then, I, you know, I like to think I'm not. I don't think so. Well, anyway. I think you're definitely, yeah. well, you're most definitely not. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it did have an effect and it probably... It probably kept me in the shadows a bit. And then obviously when Laura took the social media reins and mm. pushed that forward, I thought, well, that suits me, Yeah. to be fair. I'm not... I know there's this whole push your comfort zone and everything, but I think there's also play to your strengths. Yeah. Uh, now, in front of someone having a conversation like me and you are, I'll talk to, you know, I'll talk to <laughs> couch cub all <laughs> yeah. and what have you, but... Going, you know, I've not really mastered the going on stage, public speaking um, thing yet. Even though, to be fair, it is something that I do want to master. Yeah. Just for my own. Yeah, yeah, for your own development. And own just develop, kind of... own little gremlin tick yeah. box, if you yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I do feel like through the stuff that I've gone through, through dealing with projects of build sizes through all different shapes and sizes, the technologies I've been involved with and implementing, I do feel like I have got a lot of information. And sometimes I don't feel I've got the, the information, but then someone will mention something and it's like word vomit. I just yeah. spew out all this technical jargon and ways of trying to do stuff. So yeah. it's, it's in there. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes you need to be prompted to pull it out. Yeah. So. Well, it's the technical yeah. stuff as well, but it's also being an entrepreneur, starting a business, selling a business, running a business, moving into new sectors, you know. So, yes, you've got a lot of the technical knowledge, clearly, but you've also got general, good general business knowledge as well. In my opinion, I can only, you're looking at me like I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking <laughs> no, crazy, but no. I think you should, you should give yourself the credit for that side yeah. of it as well. I think sometimes you... 
you might think, well, you know, there's always a lot more to know, which obviously there is. But I did one of them, uh, Laura did it the other day, like one of them personality traits. Okay. I did one yeah. ages ago, but I yeah. did this other one on this one my sister told me about, and it come up that I'm a logistian, logistian or something, right? And basically, you know, I am very, you know, I like to see detail, detail. numbers, yeah. like spreadsheets. Yeah. Like, Laura, to be fair, is a bit more gun-ho. She'll, like, just, yeah. I believe it'll work and win my in. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> I'm a bit like, oh, hold your horses. Let's, let's, you know, before we want to lose everything, let's yeah. sit it down, put it on a spreadsheet, let's see what it looks like. And yeah. That's where me and Laura do clash quite a bit because I'm like, I just can't see how this works. Mm. She's like, no, I'm telling you. And so we have this bit of a battle. <laughs> um, but then it comes back. I have to really like dig deep back of that leap to faith days mm. where my dad was saying, don't do that. You know, it yeah. doesn't work. And sometimes you've got to get like 90% there and just go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and sometimes you get, you know, an analysis paralysis and... Uh, don't do anything. And the reality is both both positions are valid, aren't they? And actually that most makes a good combination, even though it can cause conflict sometimes when you actually look at it, it's quite good to have that balance. Because similar to, you know, if you're in business with your partner, which Chris and I are as well, I mean, we're totally, I mean, you know, Chris and I are totally different. Yeah. And, you know, I think we, it takes a while to recognise each other's strengths and, and when to trust the other person and also to, to realise, okay, well, and in order for Laura to get you in a good place, you need a certain amount of detail and comfort and in order for her to feel that she's empowered to be creative you need to give her some you know cut her some slack as well and it's just trying to get that right balance isn't it really and I I think that especially working with your partner uh, throws up some challenges Let's say, don't they? <laughs> Definitely. Oh my god, we could do do a whole masterclass on how to how to not kill each other, not to, to kill your life partner when you're in business together. There's a book and a podcast right there, James. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about what you're doing in property then, because obviously this is a big part of where you are now and the sort of where you started with those four buy to lets, you know, that we're, we're bringing in, you know, income but mod- relatively modest income to where you are now because the projects you're doing are. are, are significantly bigger these days so talk us through that evolution yeah so I think it's like everything um, we, we did some property training and and obviously because of my you know liking to see the numbers and, and gradually seeing it grow the buy to let route and I was always already doing it um, sent the more sensible through, mm-hmm. i.e. laid solid foundations, the little by to let, what's really going to go wrong with that one little house, you know, and just plenty of them. Um, and to be fair, you know, I took that from, you know, Mark Homer. Um, yeah. I think, obviously, Bands Out uh, goes on about this sort of strategy at the start. And I thought, I like that. You know, it's safe, steady. They'll always be there, easy to mortgage. Yeah. You're always going to rent them. People are always going to want houses. Yeah. If you need to sell them, they're going to be easily sellable. Yeah. So to start that, so that's what we did. Mm. We just cracked on, so focused. Well, we had a couple of little shiny, shiny, (laughs) mainly Laura. (laughs) 
<laughs> the Laura's she, getting she it. She has to chuck a curveball in there and <laughs> here and there. So it went back to Let's. Yeah. You know, and don't get me wrong, they bore it. Yeah. You know, a little rubbish bag to let somewhere, yeah, what you're doing up, you know, it's so, they soon get a bit tedious. But you cut, also, you cut your teeth, you cut you your cut teeth. teeth with yeah. it. But they cook your cutter, they steady, they safe. Yeah. And, and they just sit in the background and you forget about them. So then we did, we did a few of them and then we thought HMOs. Next, big cash flow. So we got one of them. Um, don't get me wrong, they're all right, but they're not really for us. It's a bit too much management, as in, I mean, I know you can outsource that, but mm. it's just you get a lot of turnovers, and I, and I think for our plan, when we were thinking self-managing everything and doing his own lettings, we yeah. just thought building a big HMO portfolio was well, not really for us. Mm. Um, so we sort of like stopped at one with that, to be fair. And then, to be fair, Matt, what I do really enjoy doing is building. You know, I love doing developments. Um, you know, if you can bring something from a flat piece of land and build yeah. something in a few months and sell them or possibly retain them in the future, I do, I do enjoy that. Don't get me wrong, it's hard, it's challenging. Um, so we did a build through COVID and don't get me wrong, it, it worked. It worked quite tough, um, just with the, with the added stuff of what COVID brought around it. But to yeah. be fair, we cracked on pretty well. Yeah. Um, and we did well off that project. And um, so I just thought we just want to keep, carry on with that, with with, uh, with the building side of things. But then also look to develop another arm to basically for Laura more than anything, because you know she's Bartlett's has done. She don't really so much get involved with the development side or the finishing off the yeah you know, design bits. Look. Yeah. So then, obviously, service accommodation come back on the horizon. We had had a go with this before in one of our little flats, where she decided to do one up and spend five grand on a one bed flat, which I don't think we ever recouped money on that one. <laughs> um, but it was experience, it, it, it got us the knowledge of SA and what it meant. Yeah. And to be fair, at the time, I think we just got the wrong property, a one-bed flat, and she was trying to self-manage it. Yeah, we, just, we were just trying too many things yeah. like, at the time. So it got canned and put back into a right flat. So now we're obviously moving on from that, and we're obviously we've, we're adopting the, going down the route with the luxury... Um, serviced accommodation um, route in the Peak District uh, because that really, you know, it does really fire it lower up to be fair because of the design element. You, mm. You're buying nice looking buildings with land, possibly end up having one of them for his own property yeah. in the future. So, yeah, so we've just got one hopefully got due to complete in a couple of weeks, which has been painful to be fair but like all big projects seem to yeah. be <laughs> anything worth having is a pain and <laughs> um, so yeah so that's going to be that's like a big range what's got planning permission into nine apartments so we've got that hopefully getting underway in the next month or so we've also looking at one another one in the peaks what did get accepted but the guy who we're buying it off 
has just been gazumped on a piece of land we were buying, so he's oh. he's just said not yet until we find something else. So that's got a bit put on the back burner. Um, we've got a piece of land. What to be fair, I did get an option agreement on which could fit up to eighteen houses on that. But we were looking probably now because some legal issues with some neighbours and maybe condensing the site and just making mm. it into like five or six bigger bigger properties. Right. Which to be fair is probably more it'll be an easier build. Mm. You know, we're not going into like uh, you know, social housing um criteria because we're not above ten in that area and and highways and stuff like that with the amount of traffic with cars yeah. we're doing a lot more units so to be fair initially I thought oh you know building this big site and now we're down to six but to be fair I think it'll still work out pretty pretty well yeah um, so we've got that going um, we was looking at a site for some industrial units to build 12 industrial units which is still ongoing but with the price of steel as it is right now and construction costs, it is just from throwing it out of kilter a little bit. Yeah. So we're just back talking to the vendor whether we can try and do something different with that, whether we can either JV with him and or mm. we can do some sort of overage. So we're looking at stuff like that. But then, to be honest, we again, we've been a bit... Splitting strategies again, it can quite keep you know, where you say you just focus on one and keep with it, but then all the opportunities yeah. come, <laughs> yeah. And before you know it, you're looking at each one, yeah. And I think it's back to maybe having the plan, the business plan, the and just owning and backing what we're doing, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. So we'll just do luxury service accommodation for the next two, three years, yeah, get yeah, three like- or four units, yeah, tick that box, and then alongside of that, we'll probably do odd development to sell just to keep the you know the uh, old bank balance topped up yeah 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 um, so i think that's going to be as main tool focus going forward to be honest and yeah. stop all this industrial units and whatever just park it for now <laughs> each little part of property is an all new thing to learn of course it is yeah it's a whole new business isn't it yeah. really at the end of the day well God, i mean it's amazing that you you know where you started and where you are now i think there's there's loads of lessons in here but but focus i think is one of them that keeps coming up that yeah it's good to try test and learn but fa- if it's not going to work for you fail fast move on yeah. um and but then really get get good get you know get really good at, cer- at certain things and then and then of course you can add from there but yeah it's an exciting time isn't it for you and laura and of course you've now got the new addition to the family as well so yeah, yeah you're surrounded by beautiful women in your life James I know. Uh, <laughs> really um, outnumbered in our, our household now and how are you how are you managing the whole well between you and Laura you know successful business lots of new initiatives and opportunities coming down the track and being you know having newborn baby and is how old now Five. Five. So, you know, a lot going on family-wise as well. How do you manage to get that balance? Because that's obviously was the main reason why you got into property as well, looking back at your childhood with your, with your dad not being around so yeah. much. Yeah, to be honest, Jeanette, it, it is a challenge and it's a, an evolving project, if you like. Um, you know, from, from, from obviously the, the new child coming, the new baby, Amelia, you know, we've considered, right, 
do we need to do lettings now? Mm. We've got the lettings that we've got like thirty-five odd tenancies. You know, they all they all need looking after maintenance that goes with that. And it and we, we sort of did a bit of a, a tracking on our where our time goes in a week, and quite a big and it was shocking actually of how much time we have, and we all know this, but um, wet world's worse for it. Of implementing out, you know, outsourcing this, that, and other. But for us, because we're living off our property rental income, if you like, mm. you know, we found it. Do we want to give up putting it into an agent? Because we calculated it's going to take a twenty-five grand hit yeah. a year out of our income. Yeah, income. It's a lot. Yeah. So it's like you know, come here for to take that, but. What I'm getting back to, it, it took takes a massive chunk out of, especially out of Laura's week, mm. dealing with like maintenance and uh, and tenant issues. Believe it or not, even just for them tenants, or it seems to come in waves. You yeah. have nothing for three weeks, <laughs> then all of a sudden you have everything, and it always come at a bad time when you've got other stuff on. Yeah. So I think we've obviously did service accommodation. I think that we've made plans to get rid of the agency part and outsource to a local agent to then f- free up our time more to concentrate on the service combination because in theory yeah. that should replace that income fairly yeah. easily so you feel sometimes you're taking a step back because you're taking a big pay cut in one extreme but it's to boost us forward and, and, and allow more time because we've only got so many hours in a day haven't we and yeah and you want to enjoy family as well you want yeah, to enjoy family yeah big thing you, you know, know getting calls on weekends and stuff like that and we just want to stop that so I think yeah getting that sort of outsourcing that bit to allow us more time for the mm. family um, is definitely a, a step we need to take now but like I say, you know, you look at that 25 grand and I'm like, that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a scarcity mindset. Think of your abundance mindset, yeah. James, of what that's you can right, gain. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it is an interesting one, isn't it? You know, uh, that, that, that perspective around giving up that, but for the, again, for what you can achieve over here, it being a bigger, a bigger, more, uh, you know, impactful. And not just that, like to actually enjoy the time. Like, time. Yeah, because, you know, Time's valuable. Like, play golf or get out on my mountain bike or whatever because I enjoy doing that. And to be fair, I've done very little of it over the last two yeah. years. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, you know, you're not getting any younger. You want to enjoy them things yeah, while definitely. you're fit and able. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a scary thing. Like, you know, people who are, who are in normal employed jobs and they've got this mental thing when I retire at 65 it's like kind of a lot can happen between men absolutely yeah yeah I think I think that's it isn't it one of the big lessons I think that Chris and I have been trying really hard and Chris is far better at it than me he always has to remind me is enjoy the ride along the way and it partly comes back to what we were saying before because when you get there when you get to where you think your goal is then you've raised your standards and you're on to the next thing so if you're never satisfied by the thing you're aiming for when you get there because you always want more or something different how important is it to make sure you're enjoying the journey because otherwise, you know, you're just never, never content as a, you know, and, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's a bit, it's hard one. It is, it is. And I think that has like concerned me with my own mindset and headspace thinking, well, you know, we made this five, five grand when we got there. And yeah. then all of 
and we've made a 10 grand up there, good, will this ever stop? When's enough's enough? Um, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, over the last, especially over the last two years, it's been three years now, but the first two years, like, we had no life, really. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed the journey. That went straight out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was it were more, it felt like a battle to survive. Yeah. More than anything. Like, yeah. We really had to dig deep and grind it out. Yeah. Uh, but we did. We didn't give up. We kept going. Uh, I think that's the key lesson there. But with a plan to, like, right, you know. Yeah. Say if you make the figure or, or what gives you the financial freedom, opulent life you mm. like don't be afraid when you get there that you know, that you do start doing the things that you've said. Yeah. Yeah. Before you start saying, Oh well we've got there, but let's go for fifteen, twenty yeah. because we might be able to do this, this uh-huh. and this. But before you know it, another five year might have disappeared and you've still not done them things. Yeah, and you don't know how long you've got, do we? None of us. So I think, yeah. Exactly. I think we're all a bit um I think we've got a lot of time, but it goes so quick. Don't, don't hey, listen, you're a lot younger than us. Don't talk to us about that, but definitely it goes fast. Especially when we start family, they just said to triple speed up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm watching you age in front of my eyes. No, no, it's all gone. But um, honestly, there's been loads of really great advice and it's fant- fantastic to hear everything that you've done, James. So if you look back over your your kind of career life and everything so far, can you think of the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Best pieces of advice? Well, actually, a, um, a guy when I was an electrician, I used to do work at his... Um, his business premises and his house to be fair he used to sell uh, cleaning products so he used to, he'd tell me his story because we're at fascinating how he's gone from nothing to this decent sized cleaning just selling cleaning products mm. and he had this like whole floor with like 100 people on the phone selling cleaning products like what have you got here and I'm always quizzing him and he sort of took me a bit under his wing a bit he, like he used to pull me in his office with a big desk he were a bit he liked his nicer things in life I must yeah. admit and uh, I says how have, you, how have you done it dear and he goes just be prepared to do the things that most wouldn't and it's always stuck in my mind that we like more from the things that are just being prepared to put the effort in and keep going Yeah, I understood that and and that from and that combined with watching my dad through business because he never give up he will never give up mm. ever even if he's flogging a dead horse he'll not give up <laughs> and I think that has instilled that in me don't get me wrong I think my dad takes it to extremes when sometimes he should mm. just like call mm. it a day um, but yeah I think I think that Brilliant, I love that. Well, and, it's, and you've obviously lived and breathed that through <laughs> through all these years, so it's yeah. stuck with you, so that's great. And can you think of a piece of advice that either you took that you wish you hadn't or was so poor and bad advice that you ignored it and you were very glad that you had ignored it? I think from um, just a personal level, we're probably going back to my dad again when it was when I was getting out of the electrical contracting and going into renewables when he said basically... I don't know what you're doing this for. You've got a good little business. Why do you want to go and do a, get involved in the technology? What's 
rubbish basically mm. don't work and they were like trying to explain to him the the numbers the business the grant side of things and they were like yeah but the technology is rubbish why are people going to put that in mm. and he just couldn't and I think it were taking it on board and what he's saying and I know he's trying to protect me from yeah. know, spending 10-15 grand setting a new <laughs> business up and then losing it uh, I think yeah just doing it anyway yeah yeah, and that belief. Yeah, that belief that it is going to work. Yeah, no, fantastic. I love that. So my last, well, actually, one one more question before I ask my last question. Where can people find you, James? Um, the normal places, Facebook, um, James Mills, or under I Squared Property on LinkedIn. I think I've got an Instagram page, but I don't remember <laughs> the last time I did anything on that. <laughs> I'll be honest, I am not the uh, social media queen, if you like, of... Uh, of our business that that when we define roles sort of Laura took took that and I sort of sat in the the background holding everything together yeah yeah no but you are very accessible and very approachable as well yeah, so yeah, people can sure. people I mean can I will happily help people as much as I can within reason obviously yeah you know I, I, I you know, I get numerous phone calls every week like advice and this that and other and, and I'd like to think that I can bring certain people and get advice back so yeah. I think if you you know if, if you give then hopefully you, you receive yeah absolutely so, 100% good stuff so my last question James so this podcast called Brave Bold Brilliant so what does that mean to you what does that mean to me I think just just having a go like be consistent focused and just keep going. Even when, even in the dark times, if you truly believe it, you've got to just carry on. Perfect. Say words of wisdom from James Muse himself. So thank you very much, James. You've been thank brave, you. bold and brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review. 